Have you ever thought about what it really means to follow Jesus' command to love your neighbor as yourself? You could argue that it's impossible to truly love your neighbor without sharing the gospel of eternal life with them. But what about other biblical truths that help people really thrive in their lives while they're here on earth? Are we really loving our neighbor if we stay silent on those issues? Welcome to Speak Up Virginia, equipping you to speak up on the life, family, and freedom issues that matter most to you. From the Family Foundation, I'm your host, Candy Cushman, and I'm joined today by our president, Victoria Cobb. Okay, well, before we jump right into today's topic, I just want to comment that some of the smart technology that we have out there now is just kind of scary sometimes. For example, I apparently have this smart car now that we bought recently, and I'm driving down the highway the other day, and this message comes up on my dashboard you might want to consider a coffee break. <laughs> and I didn't even know, first of all, I had that capability. And second, I'm thinking, no, I'm fully awake and I feel kind of personally intruded upon. <laughs> I really kind of felt like my mom was in the car at that moment. Yeah. Um, so it, it's just kind of weird. I have to be honest, true confessions, if my car were speaking to me about coffee, it would probably be, hey, Victoria, lay off the coffee a little too much here. Um, but these cars are kind of amazing. I mean, my car has all the cameras, you know, and it's not just that there's cameras around your car. It's literally when you pull into a parking space, there's a, there's a way that they do the cameras so you can see 360 and an object in the middle that is your car. So you can perfectly pull in the lines. And I have to be honest, I kind of appreciate all the help. Okay, that's really cool. But some of this stuff is scary. Like when I, I go in Walgreens, I buy a cold medicine. And then 30 seconds later, there was an advertisement on my Facebook page for this medicine. That really does freak me out. Yeah, I don't think anybody has been lost on the fact that our phones are following and tracing and, and advertising to everything that we do. Well, Victoria, we can't really get into today's show without updating people on the very important Virginia primary election we just had. What are some key takeaways from that? Yeah, so the other day was primary day, and the Democrats got to choose their ticket for, you know, governor, lieutenant governor, attorney general, and people had primaries in their own House of Delegates races, and so you could choose between candidates in your own party for your local race. And, you know, it was actually very interesting. There were some important wins, and especially when it comes to things like religious freedom. Um, one interesting takeaway was that um, Delegate Mark Levine actually lost his seat. That guy has been an, a real um, attacker of the things that we believe in. He has come after us, particularly on religious freedom, especially with the bill that we've talked about several times on this show, dealing with Christian um, adoption agencies and saying that they, sh they don't have a valid right to be in adoption. So he lost a seat to somebody else. Wasn't that the same delegate that actually made comments associating Christian agencies with the Ku Klux Klan? Yeah, he has true hostility against Christians, so him losing his seat is not necessarily disappointing to some of us that don't want to hear any more of that. Well, what's the bigger significance to that? Why do you think he lost a seat? Does this bode well that maybe um, people in the Democratic Party are starting to think about more that that's a little too far over the line to take away religious freedoms? What do you make of that? I mean, that's the hopeful view would be that they are saying there is a too far in our party. I don't know. Um, I think we, we have to wait and see what the what a new person would do because the voting records are terrible in our in our particular General Assembly across the board. So sometimes people say worse things, but the votes are still terrible, even when people are silent about what they believe. And so we just need to see what is what is his new opponent going to actually do when they get there. So do you think there's a chance we could have more votes on behalf of religious freedom out of this? 
I guess it's a possibility. It's just hard to know. It's just hard to know. So many factors go into why people um, make different election decisions, you know, but there were, you know, uh, Lee Carter, a delegate who's a known socialist, also lost his seat. And that's a real win for constitutional government. Uh, you know, I don't think we should have anybody that espouses socialism in our General Assembly. So um, what does that mean? I don't know, um, because on, on the flip side, another person who said they're a, a democratic socialist also want to see. So just because you change out players doesn't necessarily yeah. mean that the overall body changes. We'll have to see when we get all 100, when we get to November, and we see which parties get which seats, uh, what it really looks like. Now, there was also Delegate Samira, who was terrible on abortion and LGBT related to religious freedom. He lost his seat too, right? Yeah, and he, he, what he was actually known most for was when President Trump came into town for the 400th anniversary of Jamestown. It was supposed to be this beautiful, um, sort of ornate ceremony thing. And in the middle of the president's speech, televised on national television, this delegate stood up with an anti-Trump you know, uh, Trump sign as if he was just a Joe activist when he's actually an elected official. Yeah. And so he got taken out of his seat. And honestly, I think for the things that we believe in, that's a good thing. Well, yeah, I hope that means, too, that we're kind of moving, starting to move a little bit away from this just activist form of government and people wanting activists instead of people that are actually going to do responsible government. I hope maybe a tiny movement in that direction. We've got to get to the point where we actually value not just the message, but how it's conveyed and whether somebody goes to, to takes this office and comes to work for the people trying to get to good sound public policy. And we've sort of drifted away from that. And some of our candidates um, really are truly just people that um, want to make a splash, want to make a, uh, you know, a loud noise. But that's not all that we need in, in those that are actually setting laws that affect our families. Well, now as a result of these primaries, we know who's going to be facing off in the November elections, and everybody needs to get themselves educated on these candidates, because not only are we going to be re-electing top-tier statewide offices, governor, lieutenant governor, and attorney general, but there are also 100 delegate seats up for election this November. Yeah, that's right. It's important that people understand the worldview of the candidates that they're going to put into office. And so they need to understand where they stand on issues like life and marriage and religious freedom. Um, all of those things are going to impact your life once they get into office. And so your job is to know what they are. And there's lots of resources that can help you. In particular, I would say I would encourage people to consider looking at our General Assembly report card because that gives you the voting record of every sitting House of Delegates member. So you can see how your incumbent delegate has voted. Um, and then also as we get closer to the election, there'll be voter guides. But all those resources are available at the Family Foundation's website at familyfoundation.org. That's familyfoundation.org. Thanks for tuning in. If you're just now joining us for Speak Up Virginia, brought to you by the Family Foundation. For more information about us or the topics we're addressing, you can visit familyfoundation.org. That's familyfoundation.org. Well, speaking of having a biblical worldview at the Family Foundation, we just launched a worldview training class for college students. And Victoria, you've been one of the main speakers. And one of the things you're focusing on with these students is that there are a lot of controversial issues that we're dealing with in our culture right now, but they were actually biblical issues before they ever became political issues, right? Right. People are getting shut down before they can even share their views on these issues, being told that their faith is driving their views and that they somehow, because they have a faith, don't have a right to speak to these issues. But the point is they are matters of faith, but they are also matters of public policy. They were in the Bible first, but now they play out in the public sphere. And that's where Christians especially need to engage. Yeah, so things that are in the Bible or God created us in his image as male and female. That speaks to life and gender issues. 
um, the sanctity of marriage and just set God's design for sexuality in general, you know, leading to marriage, not just experimentation. Absolutely. He knit us together in our mother's womb. I mean, there's so much in there that people need to understand comes straight from your faith. And you need to know that and feel that that's a firm foundation, that there's truth in that that then applies to public policy. Well, one of the things you're really good at pointing out to the students is that even though these are clearly biblical issues, a lot of times when conversations are happening in the public square, even just in private, as Christians, we sometimes feel like we need to be silent because if we say something, we're going to be seen as too political. Yeah, and that is uh, certainly a, a spot that I wish everybody kind of worked through in their minds before they land in those conversations. And that is to say that I believe it is actually the most loving thing you can do is to engage those conversations, not to run from them. We want to run from conflict, but that's not truly loving our neighbor. Loving our neighbor is saying, hey, we know the truths that are in Scripture. They are the truths of from the God who created it all. He is telling us how human beings flourish. And so we have the key. We ought to share it. We ought to be willing to offer offer that to people because it's going to make their lives better. Yeah. And we see the fallout right now from people not being bold about sharing the truth and or people rejecting it. Well, we've been, I mean, honestly, I believe that people of faith have been sort of chilled into silence. There have been laws, there's been hostility, and people are running from these opportunities to share these wonderful truths that really are the, the light that we're supposed to be sharing in our culture. But because there's been such hostility, because there's such this um, aggressive tone towards people of faith, uh, there's a lot of people avoiding those. And we just want to encourage these students that they have what they need and we want to equip them as best as possible to share their worldview in those conversations. Well, I really love this biblical example that you talk about to students about one of the rare times in the Bible where it says that Jesus was very angry. Tell us about that. Yeah, I like to bring out the story of Mark 3, which isn't one that everybody focuses on a lot, but it is a time where people think of Jesus getting angry, they think of the temple, but this is a time where Jesus gets angry and he's about to, there's a man with a withered hand, he's about to heal this hand and it's the Sabbath, right? And there's these religious leaders all ready to catch him, right? So they're trying to nail him to the wall and he says to them, he asks them a question, he says, you know, do you not know what's good or evil? You know, is it good to heal on, you know, or is it, is it, is it not good? And they know the answer and that's what he's mad. So then it literally says that Jesus, they stayed silent is what it says that they he asks them the question they stay silent and he gets angry at their silence meaning if you know right and wrong step up speak out answer the question don't run from the moment and i think it's really interesting that that's where jesus gets mad i think that's a really good catch um i had never noticed that before but when you said that i went back and read mark three it's mark three right yeah and it just really stood out to me. It does look like that that's what Jesus is angry about, um, that, that they're not giving the right answer when he's asking. It's good to heal, right? It's good to have mercy. And he knows they know it. This and isn't, to speak. He knows they yeah. know the answer. He knows they are people who have studied the law of all things. And he knows that there's a conscience that God has put on our heart for what is right and what is wrong. And I think he's tired of the cowardice. And you also really exhort students um, from Acts 17, where Paul's just gotten out of prison and he's going all over the place, getting in trouble, sharing the gospel with Silas. And at one point, this whole community gets upset and just is shouting, Paul and Silas, you know, where are they? We want to punish them. Where are those men who have turned the world upside down? And ultimately, you give a challenge to young people that they can either choose to be those that are on the silent side or those who are turning the world upside down. I love that thought. 
And I think we are seeing people turning the world upside down in our world today, like Tanner Cross, that teacher who is up there saying, like you see disciples in the Bible saying, I'm going to obey God first. I mean, he, that sent a ripple effect around the world. So he definitely is qualifying and we all have individual opportunities to step up like that. Yeah. It takes a little bravery, but it's well worth it because we know that people are, their lives will be improved when we stand for the gospel. Well, I know people hearing this today might be wondering, okay, how can students I know get involved in this worldview training class that we've been talking about? And if you want to know about that, just go to our website, familyfoundation.org, look at student programs, um, look for the Equip Worldview Training Class, and you can get your students signed up for that every summer. And so you definitely want to check that out. Well, it's that time again, time for our Inconceivable Moments Award, where we're featuring examples of the absolute lunacy and craziness that happens when cultural leaders try to give guidance completely apart from biblical principles. And we're calling this the Liberals' Most Inconceivable Moments Award. Inconceivable! You know, when you think of the month of June, one thing I think a lot of people think about is D-Day, the anniversary of the day our troops invaded Normandy. Many of them sacrificed their lives in order to protect our liberties. And most people think of that, I, I feel like, as one of the most important dates on the calendar for this month. But apparently not so much President Biden. Yeah, he was completely silent. I mean, there was just nothing that came out of the president's office to acknowledge that important day. And, I, you know, I mean, a lot of people think about presidents as what they say is so important, but sometimes what they don't say is really important and sends a message and certainly didn't hit me well. And I know if it didn't hit me well that he didn't say anything, I'm sure that there were a lot of service members and veterans that were pretty upset about that. Yeah, and what's also sad about that is, like you said, sometimes what you're silent on, what you speak about is the big message here. And what he did speak about and make a whole big strategic effort to do was have this huge proclamation about June being an LGBTQ plus Pride Month. And then also earlier in the spring, he was also the very first president to proclaim a transgender day of visibility. So it kind of starts to seem like, okay, it's, it's okay for our troops to kind of be invisible, but you're spending your time trying to appeal to the woke crowd, I guess. Yeah, we have to really think about the irony of a president that is ignoring the cost of our freedoms and actually promoting agendas that undermine our very freedoms. It's exactly. really disturbing. And it tends to be part of a, a larger trend that we're losing the historical understanding of what our freedoms cost and why they were worth protecting. Exactly. Well, I guess that does mean that this week's Inconceivable Award needs to go to our president, President Biden, for really prioritizing these agendas that undermine our religious freedoms right now while forgetting or ignoring the sacrifice of our veterans on D-Day. Thanks for joining us for this week's Speak Up Virginia, brought to you by the Family Foundation. Visit us at familyfoundation.org. That's familyfoundation.org. See you next time, and don't forget, we are stronger when we speak together. <laughs>